0: From Relay FM, this is the Pan Addict episode three hundred and sixty five, and today's show is brought to you by Squarespace, Away, and the Canalea Penko. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined by Brad Dowdy. Hello, Mike Hurley, how are you? I am fine and dandy, my friend. Fine and dandy indeed.
1: Good, good. Good to have you back on the show yep. this week.
0: Thank you for taking care of it last week for me and to Mike too.
1: Yeah, we had an appropriately named fill in, right? Mm-hmm. So it was good. We had, we had fun last week with uh, Mike from Independence. He did a great job filling in. I put him through the fire drill, Mike, to, to get it through the show. But we talked a lot of, talked about a lot of things. I, I think I stole all your thunder uh, last week with, with him. Like We covered it all. But I, I think we got a pretty did. good show today, too.
0: There's some stuff that I want to go over as well from the last episode because <laughs> Mike, Mike doesn't grow you the way that I do.
1: <laughs> so. i i felt bad for mike a, a couple of times i told him that after is like you know some of these things i'm just gonna have to talk about and you'll probably just go okay yep. <laughs> like but but he did an awesome job we got a lot of great feedback on that so thanks mike and uh thanks for everyone who gave us a shout out last week mm-hmm. um what do you want to cover first today i want to do something that we do infrequently um, and it's not an every week thing. And Mike and I did it last week. And I want to talk with this Mike, you, Mike, my Hello. my favorite Mike. I'm not going to lie. You're my favorite Mike. I, I love That's you, I ever really to Independence, but it, to be honest. yeah, yeah. So um, I want to talk about what you're using, because when I get guests on, you know, I always want to talk about what they're using. And we do that from time to time. It's not an every episode thing. But so mm-hmm. I thought this was a good time to jump in behind that episode and see what things you have been using recently.
0: You also put in the document, what's catching my eye. So I want to mention that too. Um, yeah, but uh, the so stuff that I've been using. I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily want to cover the exact same things. So I wanted to mm-hmm. reference like a, a notebook that I've been enjoying, like for some infrequent stuff, which is the Studio Neat tote book. Um, you know, I love it so much. I made my own notebook based on it, but it is a great little just notebook. I love the panel book, and the tote book is a wonderful complement to that. Um, I have still. Like, I'm surprised at how much I am still using and adoring my Kaweco student 70 soul. That thing is That's like a, a mainstay.
1: I get a lot of people saying that. Like, I'll just get random tweets who, from or messages from people who may not even necessarily listen to the podcast or keep up with the, the current episodes just sending me you know, links to this pen saying, I really enjoy this. Have you seen this? You know, check this Mm -hmm. out. Like, it's really kind of set itself apart. Very simple. In that lineup. But but really, like, well executed. Um,
0: Mm -hmm. And this, you know, the seventy Soul is a great design, like the colorway. Yeah, I'm a big fan
1: of it. Yeah, and what no one else mentions, which I find funny, which we talked about um, in the past when we've talked about this. There's a whole lineup of those pens, and no one cares about any of them except this exact one. It's It's fantastic.
0: It's the only one that makes any sense. Um, And then something that caught my eye, you posted on Instagram yesterday, um, like a writing sample using Mm. Robo Oster Barossa gilt. uh, Yeah. It looks like silver gold. (laughs) what is this gold it's for sure gold so
1: it's it's part of robert oster's shake and shimmy lineup that's their shimmer ink lineup Mm -hmm. and it's a purple ink kind of a darkish purple it's got some really interesting underlying characteristics a little bit of blue a little bit of gray Um, it's shades interestingly um, around the edges and the gilt part of it is gold it's gold shimmer it's thick like the coverage is but like the ink is like very wet and lubricated like it goes down wet and it looks purple and then all of a sudden when it dries it's like this complete gold coverage it's kind of wild how much coverage it has and as i'm writing you can tell right when you're writing on the page like that it's um got some gold and You know, it's going to shimmer and things like that. But once you step away and it goes down, it starts to dry. The gold really pops. But until you kind of shine it in the light, which I had to take that picture, like angled the page into the light so you could really see it because the pictures I took that were more straight on. You can't tell. And it's just it's loaded with shimmer. So if that's Mm -hmm. your thing, that's going to be an ink that uh, you want to look at the, the shake and shimmy lineup. I haven't I think I have one other one. I need to try, and obviously I prefer like the silver shimmer in mine, but this was an impressive ink for sure.
0: Yeah, this this might be some stuff to look out for a pen show
1: for me. Yeah, yeah, it, it's very cool. And that, I I forget how many inks there are in the lineup. I think there's a... I think quite, there's seven. Quite a lot, okay. Yes, yeah. so, yeah. So some of the things I'm using, and I think I've probably talked about this a little bit before, but I'm really stuck on my Nakaya long cigar, and black mat. I really want you to try this pen. Like, I don't think this is the Nakaya for you necessarily, but I want you to try this pen because it's very different than the other ones that I've used. So, I'll definitely be bringing this one to San Francisco. Is it the shape and
0: size that is the biggest difference or is it the finish?
1: The finish. Like, I don't think you'll like the size of it. Like, it's a big pen, but I think you will like the finish. And I think you've tested i think you've probably tried one of these before but i just want to get it back into your hands to see what you think it's super interesting feel and i love i i love using this pen even though it has a broad stub nib on it i got that ground down to a stub which is perfect for the size and shape of this pen and how i use this pen you know it's not a tiny handwriting pen that's like a it's a big bulky pen and which is on the extreme end of things for me by, you know, by all measures against the rest of my collection, right? It's a little bit of an outlier, but I'm really kind of fascinated with it. I'm very happy with mm. it. I have it inked up with the Kyo no Oto Noribiro ink, which is the black ink. It's kind of, I think it's kind of, maybe translates something into Raven. So black inks are generally boring and I didn't want a boring ink in this pen. Like the pen's pretty, Basic in general, right? It's a black pen with a rhodium plated nib. So, the first ink I put into it was a red ink, like a platinum classic, uh, the Cassis Red, I believe, or, uh, or Cassis Black, I think it's, it's called. And I was like, oh, good, I'm happy with this. And then it hit me that I have this really special black ink, this Kiyunurabaro ink that has a lot of characteristics and a lot of sheen for a black ink. So, huh. that's the ink I'm in on with this pen. And I'm working on a review of that ink right now because it's different. Like this is the ink you would recommend to someone who has to use black ink in the office, but wants to use a fat of uh, a uh, uh, fountain pen and they can get away with it just looking black on the page, but it's got this really interesting character to it, which those aren't words that go along with black ink very well. well that's at all. always so, one of
0: the problems, right? Of being, of being forced to use black ink is you don't really have any options, which is why people like blue black, but you're not allowed that right. sometimes.
1: Yep. So this is this is an answer to that, and mm-hmm. I, I've known it since I've owned it, and it just it just clicked with me one day that that's the ink that has to go in this pen. It's kind of a perfect match, and the last thing. I'm just recently starting to use. Um, it's the Pebble Stationery A5 Kaye. It's a Kickstarter um, from uh, Pebble Stationery, who did a Kickstarter for the pocket size Tomoe River notebooks. So this is an A5-size um, Tomoe River notebook. And what I love about... Uh, there's several things I love about this. One, the covers are thick. Like, it's a it's a soft-bound book, right? So it's a th- soft cover. But it has like a um, glue bound almost type of uh, mm-hmm. cover to it. So it's really thick. Like you can hear it mm-hmm. like the cover's super thick and the pages are dot grid, which Tomoe river dot grid is kind of my thing. Like I love that. Um, they, the products that I've had from them before the, the small pocket notebook size of this was one of the better note, constructed notebooks that I've used in a long time, so I was happy to get this one. They sent me a, a preview sample to test out. It's up on Kickstarter now. I've backed it for, like, I don't know, two, three packs or yeah. two two-packs, yeah. however they come. Um, Dot River, Tomoe, uh, Dot Grid, Tomoe River. I like is, Dot River. Uh, is, yeah, Dot River. So. Um, this is the Dot River but, <laughs> notebook, and I love I'm it. I'm
0: always happy to see this paper, this specific paper, offered in different configurations because more people who use fountain pens should have an opportunity to use it. So mm-hmm. I'm always happy to see different um, different notebooks that use Tomoe River because it really is a special experience. It is not an everyday paper for most people, including me, uh, yep, because <laughs> if you're writing a lot, you have to wait. <laughs> you have to wait for it to dry. <laughs> um, but it. It's something that is truly a, a wonderful experience
1: to be able to use sometimes. So, like, uh, spe- it's just perfect for fountain pens. Yeah. So, thank you for making a dotted tomorrow River paper, which you can get in various things if you if you search hard enough. But I will take that over blank. Any my day. Nanami uh, Crossfield is dotted. Yep. Yep. They've done dots and reticles. I believe
0: that is, by the way, my favorite. Continues to be my one of my very 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 most favorite notebooks. The Seven Seas Crossfield. Uh, from the Nami paper, it's yeah, you're a big fat A5 full of turmoil paper is <laughs> really wonderful. And $26 is like just an
1: incredible deal. I uh, love,
0: I absolutely love that notebook.
1: You're not going to get a lot of argument there, no. that's definitely one of the standout uh notebooks. So I love it. I can't believe I it's $26. It. I forget the price. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's a great deal. Wonderful. All right, so along the lines of what I'm using, I just got the Blackwing volumes edition in the latest subscription from them. This is the number 10 and I'm in love with this edition just right from the gate. Um, I, Okay. It's a very simple looking pencil. It's like a light gray. Yeah, it's like a light gray. It's a gray matte. It's got a matte finish. Uh-huh. Um, so the story behind this one is the one of the reasons why I like it is the story behind it. So it's it's called The Journalism Pen, and it's based around uh, a tribute to a journalist named Nellie Bly, who did this investigative reporting in the late 1800s around an insane asylum. And the, the series is called 10 Days in a Madhouse. And I'm not familiar with any of this. And the reason why I think it's cool is because I get an awesome stationery product, and I get a story, and I get to learn something, right? So they like, not just... They didn't just say like, okay, this is what it's about. it's about Nellie Bly and investigative reporting and how important journalism is. They also provide you with the story itself, printed on like it's not quite newsprint, but like the entire story, like as it was kind of laid out in the paper, like back in, back in the eighteen hundreds, um, shipped with your shipped with your pencils. So like, I have this whole story to read now too. Uh, which I think is super fantastic. So I love this. I love the idea of this pencil. And I really love the style of the pencil. The black, excuse me, the gray matte barrel is super, super clean. It's got a silver ferrule and a dark gray eraser. It reminds me a lot of the Ada Lovelace pencil, which I love so much. It's a white barrel, black ferrule. And for some reason I like these muted colors on the black wings like you know I've used some of the you know the wild ones like the tahoe and uh whatever the like the the lavender one was called I forget, I forget the uh the art series that the art movement that that was based on um but something about this one plus it's got the extra fine extra firm I'm I'm going to get that confused for the rest of my life extra fine and extra firm are two different things so this has the Extra Firm Core, which is their newest core. It's just an all-around great pencil with a great story. So I think they did a really good job with this one.
0: They continue to as well. It's really impressive. I was thinking about, like, um, you know, uh, off the heels of of the Field Notes price increase, which I agree with. Uh, you know, I echo everything that you and Mike said, but that, mm-hmm. you know, it's interesting to see that. But I was just thinking about, like, what it must be like To come up with four ideas a year or whatever um, you end up having to do, right, to create a product like this. And we've seen many companies try and fail at it, right? Like, Mm -hmm. It it is, now that I have dipped my toe into the water of production of a notebook, Mm -hmm. the trying to make, not just have the ideas, but make it all line up with the times that you need to release these things, (laughs) that it must be a Herculean effort. I've been thinking more about that stuff recently.
1: I was thinking a lot about that this morning, specifically around this pencil. Um, So it's funny that that you say that because all I could think about this morning, and I don't even know how I got started down this path, was how many editions they have right now that are in the process. Yes. Not even like not even like on the drawing board. But well, like you've got to in assume there has to production. be multiple
0: because you have no idea if one's going to take four times longer than you thought. And if you're only working on one at a time, what are you going right. to do? There has to always be multiple ones, right? That would be my right. assumption.
1: Yeah. And how hard it is to coordinate and manage that process mm-hmm. to to hit these, you know, they're not exact dates, but they're close enough approximations that you need to hit Around there. They have a window. Yeah, you know, pretty closely. Yeah. You know, black It's women, very small. Filmers, they have a window that <laughs> they have very to small. hit. And yep. not just
0: for time but also like for the success of their company. Right. Like, right. Right. I'm sure that there are dates internally where it's like we've got to hit this date because otherwise we're gonna have a problem.
1: Right, right. So r- related to that, I noticed the price on this dozen was twenty seven ninety five. Mm-hmm. Um and that caught me a little bit off guard in Apparently, that had changed, I don't know, within the past year. It wasn't a new price change. I was used to them being $24.95 a dozen. I'm a subscriber to their volumes edition. I don't know what I pay per dozen. I'd have to go back and look. Um, You know, you obviously get a little bit of a break with that, but I'd have to look and check. $27.95 for a dozen pencils. So, let's say $28 per dozen. We're getting about to the point where I might have to think about that because I don't use all the dozen that I get, right? Mm. Um, you know, is that value still there for me at that price point? Um, right now, it's fine. Like, I I don't have a problem with that. And I just wonder, you know, hopefully this price will stay like this for a while, but I can get the idea from some people looking at a dozen pencils for 28 bucks going, whew, yeah, that's a special thought process to make that kind of purchase. Um, I feel it's worth it, like right now, but I'm I'm getting closer to the uncomfortable edge of the price point. So we'll see. But like that goes hand in hand with what we we're just saying about how hard this is, right? Like the price has to justify the work that goes into it. So like I get it. Like I totally get it. But I gotta, you know, evaluate that for my personal usage and, and things like that. But uh, I agree. Like it, it's close.
0: So coming up very soon, alarmingly soon is the San Francisco <laughs> Pen Show. Um and alongside that, I don't actually think I ever mentioned this on the Attic before, but on August 22nd, so a couple of days before the show, but the day before, right, before the show begins. It's like, th- it's like the Thursday night and the the San Francisco Pen Show begins on the 23rd. Um mm-hmm. Relay FM is going to be hosting a fifth anniversary live show. In San Francisco, um, it's going to be a big show. We're going to bring in a bunch of hosts across many Relay FM shows, and we're doing like a big fifth anniversary extravaganza because Relay FM turns five years old like four days before the the live show. So. Um, if you're going to be in town for the San Francisco Penn Show, I really recommend it. We've got a great space Actually, We're actually... We are actually in San Francisco. Um, we're, mm-hmm. <laughs> we're up uh, kind of in the Fisherman's Wharf area is where the, the show is going to be, near Coit Tower. So we've got like a... It's like a wonderful location if you've never really explored much of San Francisco before. It's a really nice place to go and there's lots of interesting things to see up that in that area, uh, which we're really happy about being in. A, it's a part of San Francisco that I I really love, so that's going to be uh, on August twenty second. We have some tickets available now. Um, we we will sell out for this show, so if you are going to be in town, uh, I really recommend picking a ticket up. Uh, I I think this is going to be something you won't want to miss. So. You can go Am I invited? You're not only just invited, my friend, You're going to be a part of it some in some some fashion. We haven't worked out Uh-oh. exactly what the show is going to be yet, but we're bringing in <laughs> as well. We are uh, inviting and trying to get in as many Relay FM hosts as possible. So there's going to be some wonderful crossovers as a part of it. Nice. That should be amazing.
1: Yep. Yeah. Um, I have a note <laughs> related to this i had to change my hotel when i realized that the live show was thursday night mm. not wednesday night mm-hmm. um so i wanted to make sure i had to i had myself going to the pen hotel thursday night um <laughs> incorrectly so uh i now have my hotels situated so i'm actually there for the show on Good. uh thursday evening and not having to travel back and forth so yep. i will be at the san francisco Pin show friday morning in preparation for friday night's live pen addict podcast so yeah we'll, so the, the tickets we'll are on, on
0: sale like for the, the the fifth anniversary show there'll be a link in the show notes but you can also go to ti.to slash relay fm um ti.to slash relay fm and you can get tickets there uh and yeah we will be doing the live show um for the pen addict and there'll be more details about that soon That's going to be on Saturday, right? No, Friday night. Friday Friday night. Friday night. Yeah. Friday
1: night, 9 p.m. No rest for the weary, Mike.
0: My brain always tells me it's Saturday because I hate to think of the fact of doing two live shows (laughs) one day after the other, but... Such is life. Such is life. All right, today's Mm -hmm. episode is brought to you by our friends over at Squarespace. You can make your next move with Squarespace. They will let you easily create a website for your next idea. You can get a domain with them. You can take advantage of and customize award-winning templates. You can set up an online store. It doesn't matter what type of website you want to make. Squarespace has all of the tools to let you do it. There is nothing to install or patch or upgrade. They've got you covered, and they have 24-7 customer support in case you need any help at all. I have been using Squarespace for so many projects over the years, and I have a couple of things in the hopper right now where I'm going to be setting up new Squarespace websites. And the reason I do that is because it's easy for me. I know exactly what I need to do. I don't need to get, like deep into code to work it out like I don't have to deal with anything that frustrates me I don't have to learn anything new it's all super simple for me to be able to put something on Squarespace and I know that it's going to be a wonderful thing for you to use as well you can go and try it out go to squarespace.com slash penaddict and there's a full trial there there's no credit card required to sign up um, and then you'll be able to try it all out, and you'll be able to build your own website from scratch. And then when you're ready to launch it live to the world, they have to sign up one of their plans. They start at just $12 a month, but you can get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain and show your support for this show when you use the offer code PENADDICT to check out. So once again, that's squarespace.com slash PENADDICT and the code PENADDICT for 10% off your first purchase. Our thanks to Squarespace for the support of this show and all of Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website.
1: All right, so I was on the 1857 podcast this week. I think it came out on Monday. I just wanted to say thank you to Stuart Lennon and TJ Cosgrove for having me on. It was one of the most enjoyable conversations I've had. Um, you know, outside of you, Mike, of course. Like mm-hmm. all of our conversations mm-hmm. are, are, are brilliant um, and just fascinating and, and must listen. But I, it was just a good. All around conversation, we talked about a lot of stuff—not um, just pens and pencils and stationary stuff, but you know, life and business and sports ball. I'm a sports ball guy, so we talked about that. So it was really cool. If you haven't ever listened to that podcast, that's one I could tell. That's a podcast I can recommend. Like point blank, you could just pick up today and join into the conversation. It's a very conversational, um, you know, what's going on this week with you personally type of podcast. Then eventually like mixes in some stationary stuff they they like joke about how off topic it is basically until like the last 15 minutes of the hour show (laughs) and then they kind of get to the topic um but it's just uh two enjoyable guys talking about stuff we love that's not the only podcast i listened to this week mike did you Mm. know that your artist chris roland who has Mm -hmm. done your art for the podcon posters was on the art supply posse podcast did you know this
0: I did know this it's in my uh it's in my list to listen to because I'm very intrigued to learn more
1: about chris's backstory to be honest so so you haven't listened to this mm it's in my queue mm, boy, I really want to talk about it, but I'm not gonna spoil it. There's a huge Uh-oh. spoiler in there, oh. and if you haven't listened to it i I'm not gonna blow it for you like I think you should listen to it, Mike. <laughs> okay <laughs> so yeah no it's really good and um it was actually going to be you know possibly a show title of this episode um but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna ruin the spoiler for you so huge spoiler alert feel very, you should feel go feel
0: uncomfortable to it. about this
1: no uh you shouldn't you shouldn't okay so it's all
0: <laughs> well, you're pitching it to me in, in a very uh con- very concerning way
1: but it's right. funny as I listen to Chris talk about like his process and his art and his growing up. He's as you can tell for those who haven't seen his his Podcon posters for Mike, he's super detail oriented and likes the tiny stuff and that's why I like his artwork so much and it, yep. it was cool to uh listen to that. So,
0: yeah, I've uh, I love working with Chris. He's done those two posters and he's also done he's also worked on some stuff for an unannounced upcoming project which Ooh. I'm incredibly excited to let people see.
1: So, <laughs> nice, nice. So I wanted to mention those two episodes. Um, I actually re listened to the 1857 podcast, which is not something I normally do for podcasts I'm on. I enjoyed it. And then I uh, listened to the Arts by Posse yesterday in preparation for this, uh, unlike Mike, who was unprepared. <laughs> All right.
0: Him. If we're going to do this, it's my turn. So yeah. you spoke about uh, some Notco stuff last week, um, mm-hmm. which seemed. I think on the face of it, tricky. Sure. Like you made kind of two negative announcements, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. One, which is that you're not going to be going to DC. And then the second, that Nock is pulling away from retail. And I think on the face of it, uh, they don't seem like good things. So I wanted to kind of like dig into that a little bit more with you.
1: Yeah, for sure. Mike was
0: being nice. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Like that was one of the bombs I dropped on him. It's like, I got to talk about this. Like I've announced it. Right. So and I had to put it in the show and I kind of felt bad for him uh, because it's really not his his forte to like dig into that. So I felt a little bit bad. But I I did talk about it more on the 1857 podcast, too, which is another reason why you should you should go listen to that. You can hear more about it. But yeah, like the perception could be seen as negative. Right. Um, Based on just those like the headline topics. Right. The easy one is the DC show. Yeah, that um,
0: that one. Honestly, I kind of just like brush off. Just like, it's just not a pen show you're going to. It's like is what it is, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. And like I was planning on going, mm-hmm. but like I'm just so exhausted already this summer. It was like just the specter of that on my calendar was stressing me out. Mm-hmm. So even though like I'm gonna miss seeing a lot of people and I miss seeing a lot of our customers and we'll obviously miss one of the best sales show that we have during the year. Um. I'm relieved. Like I don't even I'm not even flinching that I'm not going to DC. Like I hate it for other people who wanted to see me there and Jeff there and, and see our products. Like I'm sad about that. But from a personal perspective, I'm just relieved. Like it's it's cool. Like I'm not non issue for me at all. You know, I'll be going to Sa- if I wasn't going to San Francisco, I'd obviously be going to DC. That all kind of plays in together, like these next two months, July and August in combination have just so much work and travel in there I needed a break Mm -hmm. and if anything was going to give that was the easiest thing to just kind of like let's step away from that one it'll be fine and we'll just go on from there and you know there's future shows and future things to do so that was easy
0: yeah like maybe on a different year it would have been uh San Francisco that you might have skipped but we have big commitments this year
1: Yep, exactly. So, and I've got a bunch of stuff before that. Like, July is just crazy for me. And just the idea of leading into that um, this particular year was very tough. So, hopefully we'll be back next year. And, um, you know, we'll go from there. But, yeah, shows for me are really hard to plan out, like, six months ahead. Like, you know, people want to know, like, in February, will I be at D.C.? Well, I mean... It was yes for the longest time, but as you get closer, the schedules change, the mm-hmm. schedules get tighter, things move around. Some things have to give. Like, I can't just fully plan out our show schedule that far in advance, um, just based on other obligations. So, retail. um, This was a harder decision, I guess, to say out loud, <laughs> but an easy decision when it comes to our financial stability okay. at NOC, Um. The short version, which I said on last week's show and on 1857, is the margins are bad. Like, it's not sub- sustainable profit margins for NOC to continue absorbing the mass inventory that we have to carry yeah. to fulfill retail.
0: But, like, I guess the question, because um, obviously, yes, that, that makes a lot of sense, but the question is, like, are you making, you know, do you? I don't know if you know if you were making it up in volume, right? Where it's like, it's great if you continue to sell the same amount of cases. Yes, but that's not a guarantee,
1: right? So that's the trick, right? So we went into retail, and we said we're going to absorb the lower margins for higher volume, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the the general idea, and that works, sort of, but the bigger picture issue was it's hard to manage right you we only have so much data we can go off of and we have to order such a huge quantity to be able to fulfill retail orders on retailers whims and how things are selling like our retailers are spectacular to work with mm-hmm. they took less margins to carry our goods they've you know, driven sales of our goods, and they've driven awareness of our brand and I'm forever thankful for them, but the bottom line math was really bad um for us, and the volume did not make up for it and When I talk about the volume, it kind of more ties into how knock was when we started in the first few years where we could change and innovate much more quickly than we're able to do now. Mm-hmm. Like, our customers want two or three different colorways in our product lines per year. Based on the volume I had to have for to fulfill retail, we couldn't turn that inventory over quick so enough. So I want to
0: dig into that a little bit with you because I want to make sure that I'm completely following. The, the issue was, like, you guys couldn't sustain uh, enough cash flow to fulfill the orders required in the standard colors that retailers were taking so you couldn't really take the bets on the other stuff is that
1: right right okay. so we couldn't we couldn't change up our lineup with the frequency that our customers have been used to because the
0: company's money was tied up in large orders and large yes. inventory costs yes. of, of holding retail stuff which you wouldn't have to do if you, there were no retailers. But then you would also then have to hope that the demand is still as strong, right? Like that's the risk
1: element. Right, right. And we've come to the conclusion that we're better off with that risk level to where we're, Jeff and I are the happiest when we're making new designs and getting new colors made in our products like when there's Mm -hmm, change mm -hmm. in our lineup there hasn't been a lot of change like in the past nine or 12 months and that's not what we've always done in the past and it just leads to like it being static and boring um we've lost a little bit of the stories we're able to tell when we do new things right we can't we can't talk about you know the same thing over and over again for nine months we want to talk about it every three months or every five months whatever that is you know i don't know that there's just a like a fixed date but we know that you know like having the quantities that we had have in stock are really good for retail they're not good for me and Jeff and they're not good for the long-term health of the company like there's nothing wrong with knock like on a business level or perspective but we have to change what we're doing to like kind of fix like the inventory issues that we're having right now like it's just kind of grabbed hold of us and shaking us like we can't innovate as quickly as we want as long as we're carrying this much inventory so we're going to go back to doing a quicker turnover of products which is what we've always done in the past and just selling them directly ourselves you know and innovating and creating new products faster like we get stuck in that too right because we can't make like a brand new product at scale because we were tied up with all this other inventory. So, you know, it's trying to figure all that out. Like we're 6 years into it and we're still trying to figure it out like mm-hmm. what's the right thing to do? Like you never know the right thing to do sometimes till you do it. The retail was right in the beginning and it turns out it's not going to work now. Like it's you know, it's not a long-term sustainable thing and Knock is set up to be a long-term sustainable company, so we have to make Hard decisions like this to just kind of get us get ourselves back on track
0: yeah i uh it's interesting to me how much knock changes it's changed a lot and quickly mm-hmm. uh, and I find that kind of fascinating,
1: yeah, I mean we've gone from making cases in Jeff's bedroom to renting out a essentially garage to put our sewing machines in and so that answer we were trying to solve is well how can we make more right because we were getting popular so we hired people to come sew for us we had employees uh, at the peak we had three employees which is a lot for us right and then we still couldn't keep up with the demand and we had the lure of retail right which is like something like you have to decide on that's do you forego the retail experience um maybe we should have never done it i don't know i don't regret it one bit but you know those are the questions we have to have so at one point we had to find you know outside manufacturing you know in the u.s we want to keep everything in the u.s so that was hard like we talked about when we went to outsource manufacturing how it took us like two years to find a good manufacturer so that's our great man- our manufacturer is great. They make our products are awesome, awesomely made, but that's another thing like you can't control their schedules as much as I'd like to control their schedules. We figure that out over the years and years and years. so um it's interesting. One of the things that um the chat is is bringing up as as I'm looking at this while we're talking is our international customers that's the hardest thing for us because we do have international retailers who are absorbing the markup hit and the tax and customs hit to bring our products to our international customers. You know, I talked a little bit about that on 1857 with Stuart because he is one of our retailers at Nero's Notes in the UK. And our products will be harder for our international customers now. And we have a quite a large international following, which is fantastic. So mm-hmm. maybe there's some type of distribution thing that can happen, you know, later. That's That's something that hasn't even crossed our minds right now. We're just trying to kind of uh get ourselves set on course and start making new stuff here probably in like you're not going to see much change with knock maybe throughout the end of this year maybe a little bit we'll have some new th- we have already new cases and new products and new colors coming out and all that stuff um but you probably won't see like the fruits of our labor now until next year
0: okay well i'm excited i'm interested to see what comes of all of this i like it when yeah. you guys keep pushing stuff.
1: Yeah, like we're at our best when we're creative, me and Jeff. That's how both of us are, when we can do something cool that gets us excited. So we want to get that feeling back again. Not that we're ever not excited about our products, but it just has to happen more frequently, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So before we go go on, I can give some kind of updates on what we have in the hopper, right? So we have some projects going, like Mm -hmm. the Oolat La case. I should have, hopefully, a shipping notification today. For the Ooh La La pen cases, uh, the Seed A Five notebook case that we did a pre-order for, which was a cool project to work on, I'm hoping today's the date that I was promised, and I've been checking like every other day for weeks now, and they were still <laughs> they were still on track, so I'm hoping to have shipping notifications today. After that, as soon as those come off the line, the knock. Uh, Burton, the pen addict uh, project case goes straight into the line. So hopefully those are done like in the August time frame we were talking about. That's a much larger scale operation, but I'm hoping they have like all the month of July to get those done um, for those. So we'll have those in August. And uh, then we're back into like normal production and new cases and new colors for our regular, regular scheduled programming at knock. So that's where the project stuff is right now.
0: All right, I wanna. Uh, should we take a break? we talk about our sponsor. Let's take a break. Uh, and then we have a product to talk about from that company. We'll get, you'll understand when we get to it. So today's episode <laughs> is brought to you in part by the Canalea Penko. Canalea make wonderful pens inspired by the stunning landscapes of Hawaii. And their founders, Hugh and Carol, who are absolutely wonderful people, believe that the locations that they pick to base their pens on can help recharge spirits and connect us with nature. And the pens that they create have been inspired by particular photos that they have taken themselves when visiting locations in Hawaii that are meaningful to them. The story behind these pens is wonderful, but the execution is incredible. Every Canalea pen is handmade in a process that means that no two pens will ever look alike. The coloring of all of them is unique, right? There are colors that each pen has, but the actual makeup, the layout of them, every single one of them is different. And I absolutely love that canalea have a wide variety of styles of material as well as shapes of pen um and they're all absolutely stunning i own four canalea pens now <laughs> uh because i can't stop myself from wanting them because they are among m- the most beautiful pens uh that not only i have ever owned but have ever seen you will be seriously hard pressed to find a collection of pens that is as stunning as these um Every new release is irresistible, and we actually have one to talk about in just a minute. Uh, Canalea pens use YOWO number 6 nibs, and you can buy uh, steel uh, or 18-karat gold nibs directly from Canalea. They offer sizes from extra fine to oneone mm, uh, millimeter stub, and every single Canalea pen, whether bought online or at a pen show, leaves the shop after being inspected and tuned personally by Hugh to ensure that it writes like a dream. This is one of the other little things that I love about this company. Canalea pen Co. is without a doubt one of my very favourite pen companies. The Hugh and Carol are wonderful and caring people who have stories that they want to share with the world and they do it by making truly inspiring products of incredibly high quality. You can check out their range of pens right now at Co.com. that is k-a-n-i-l-e-a-p-e-n-c-o.com of course there'll be a link in the show notes canaleopanco.com uh they have a new model being released today um, as we record this which is the 26th of june june where are we brad are we in june june thank you 26th of june 2019 My word, I have no idea what the date is. All I knew was the number. Uh, Anyway, but the pen's called the Eolani. Uh, Eolani, It's based on a photo of clouds at sunrise rising over the Haleakala volcano on the island of Maui, which is particularly special to me because I honeymooned in the shadow of Haleakala. Um, But anyway, Canaleo sent this pen a little bit early, so we're going to talk about it. Uh, This is the end of the ad portion of this episode. Go to canaleapenco.com, check out the wonderful pens. We have this new one to talk about, but they have just an absolutely wonderful selection uh, of pens available. Um, I just want to take a quick look just so I can shout out some of my favorites. The Haleakla Silhouette, which is the yellow and gray one, is unbelievable. Um, the Maui Makai, which is the one that's slightly see-through, looks like the ocean. That's another one of my absolute favorites as well. Um, th- there's just so many. Oh, the uh, Kahakai is another one that looks like a beautiful beach. They- they're just all stunning. So go check them out yourself. <laughs> but we have a new one to talk about. So they we both me and Brad received the uh, Eolani, uh, which is heavenly clouds is what that means. We received it um, a few days ago. Um, What do you think? So I should just say, I want to just say, sorry, I really feel like I need to say this. They paid us to say that last part. They're not paying us to say this
1: part. (laughs) Yeah, so thanks to Hugh and Carol for Mm -hmm. their support of us. And I know we've been just, essentially, we're super fans of Canalea. So, you know, take that in these reviews of these, this pen coming up, you know, with, mm-hmm. with that in mind. But but long-time but time listeners easy... may
0: remember that their last product, the Haleakla Sunset, they did the same thing where we got sent them in advance, and then mm-hmm. basically we spoke about it on the day that it came out, but yep. know, they didn't pay us to do that, and we actually, uh, I paid them for the pen, which... <laughs> spoiler alert
1: i'm going to be doing it again <laughs> <laughs> so yeah my the word i used for this was finally and not because like i've been waiting for you know something um like crazy or wild from Canalea, but i was actually waiting for the dark model or the purple model mm-hmm. and i was just we didn't know until they sent it to us or well, really until they started teasing like online with the pictures. I'm like, yes, it's going to be purple probably, yep. <laughs> you know, based on the pictures. So I was thrilled that it was, and it's another just fantastic looking material. And that's kind of the thing that they do as good or maybe better than anyone is get these materials that you can't help, but like, I'm trying to like stare through, the blue in this material, might This so. is
0: the thing that surprises me the most about this pen, that this material has a property to it that I don't know if I've seen before, where I have some elements of the blue where it feels like it is significantly deeper into the pen than is like possible by the laws of physics.
1: Okay, so you're seeing the same thing that I'm trying to explain. Yeah. Like, I don't get it, right? The blue seems deeper. Like, the purple kind of rises to the surface and it's beautiful swirl. It's got some light colors in it. And then the blue is a little bit shinier. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that is giving it the depth that it has in the materials. So, it's really, really crazy. So, I love the look, I love the feel. One of the things I always forget, Mike, about Canalea is that the barrels actually come in five different shapes. Yeah, so do I, Um, because all of mine are the same shape. So (laughs) I have the classic one. Yeah, and I have the classic flush. Oh, that's what I mean, the classic flush. Sorry, yeah, the
0: classic flush. All of mine are that shape.
1: All of mine are that shape. That's the shape that I want, but it's like, you know, maybe I should try one of these other shapes sometimes, but it's kind of hard to get away from it. So. The way they Aeolani fits in their lineup was exactly what I was hoping for when they first started talking about this. Probably a couple months ago, when we first started talking, they're like, "Oh, we're gonna have a pen in in June, and you know, get ready for the summer." And like, they're super secretive. They don't really like give us like the download until like it's time. Until it's like no, go they time. They are.
0: They are was one, another thing that Hugh and Carol are very good at is uh, showpersonship. <laughs> right so like but it goes down yeah. to their packaging which i always adore which is so beautiful like you have to remove a sleeve and then open a box and then take out a little piece of cloth and then you are, you know and the mm-hmm. pens inside or it's like this whole thing but the other thing is right they were like we have this new pen they don't show us it they just send it no which is yeah. a much more i think for their product is a, is a really interesting experience anyway because of the fact that they're all different um they the photos that they have on the website I don't know how they have done it, but they've actually done a really good job of showing the color variances that can exist in the pen. Because this is a mm. pen that's very difficult to photograph. I opened mine in a dimly lit room and was like, "Huh, okay, it's a like dark purple pen." Then turned on a light and was like, "Oh boy!" And there's blue in here. There's silver in here. Like this is one of those pens that like is very is very kind to well lit environments. Um, yep. It is deep and moody but beautiful. Uh, I I adore it for its difference. Um, and I, I think that this is, for me, this is like another absolute no-brainer from them. It's just a pen that I want to own because I don't own anything that looks like this. And yeah, they've
1: absolutely nailed it once again. Yeah, it, it goes with their lineup so well. Mm-hmm. Like, it is like... It was where I was hoping they would go. Like, I had, like, my mind made up. Like, I'm glad it came out this way because I would have loved anything that they made just because I'm a super fan. Like you said, I've got one of the first Kohala Sunsets is, like, my original one. And then my favorite is, like, you like the Haleakala. I like the Hanama Bay one, right? Like, that's the one I use a lot. And now the Eolani is right there with all of these. Like, it's so perfect for the brand, for the company, the execution, One of the things that I always trip out about with the Canalea pens, I have a lot of acrylic pens. None of them feel like this. Like, I think if you put 10 acrylic brands on a table in front of me, I think I could blind pick out the Canalea acrylic, the way it feels, the way it's finished, the way like the edge rounding is, the way the grip feels, the way the threading feels. Like it feels like a Canalea pen now, right? It doesn't feel like generic acrylic pen a, so it's really, really well done. Um, Hugh and Carol have done another fantastic job and they've knocked it out of the park. Once again, like it's kind of a no brainer, right? It's just kind of perfect.
0: Yeah. I adore it. I adore it. So yeah, I'll be, uh, they sent two models. One is uh, steel. One is rose gold i oh, we were giving them back the rose gold, paying them for the steal. So just, you and Carol, just so you know, we'll, we'll talk about this <laughs> later on. Uh, I, I adore this pen. Like, I'm, I'm so pleased to add it to my collection. Um, I think it's wonderful. And, and again, I just I just want to really underscore this again. They did not pay us to say this. Like the, the, This part, we could have said whatever we wanted, and you can go back in history and find every single time we've spoken about the pens from this company, <laughs> because me and Brad just adore them, because they are so different. And uh, it comes down from, like, the creative direction, as in you know, picking the, the the things that they want to work on, and then the materials themselves and the way that they're made. The whole process is fantastic. And it, they really, they really, I think, un, not necessarily unlike a lot of companies, but, like, different to maybe a lot of other companies that, that I've bought pens from, the experience feels extremely premium. They really yeah. go the extra mile to provide you with an experience when you receive the pen and and take it out of the packaging that makes you feel like, oh, yeah, I spent a lot of money on this pen, and I can see where it's going. Like,
1: it's that, I think, can be an important thing sometimes. So, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, we won't pull punches. This is an expensive pen. Yeah, they are expensive. No doubt. Yeah. But... But then o- I don't think the they're price. overpriced. They're, they're, right. they're on the
0: expensive side, right, for pens in general. Um, yep. But I have never once thought to myself, oh, I'm not sure about this. Because the whole right. experience feels very premium. And if that's the case,
1: then I'm very happy to, to pay it. Yep, yep. And one last thing, spoiler alert, Mike, um, we will be interviewing... Hugh and Carol in San Francisco, yes! San Francisco Pen Show. I didn't so, know this. Uh, this is amazing. I have them lined up for the live Pen Addict show Friday evening, nine o'clock at the uh, San Francisco Pen Show. So there you have it.
0: I am very, that's a wonderful preview. I am so excited for that. It's going to be fantastic. Yep. All right. Do you want to talk about your most favorite pen release? <laughs>
1: <laughs> is it now? Um it's the most um anxious pen release uh upcoming pen release I guess the the Lamy 2000 100 years Bauhaus limited edition Mike the the secret is out. Um we were teased last week with a few words and a few texts um that Lamy was coming out with a color variant of their black macrolon famous Lamy 2000 and you know the assumption was we well, heard it was going to be blue, and so I fully assumed it was going to be navy blue, and it is. So it's basically like the blue black edition, if you will. Um, I want to, I want to know what you think about this because I obviously have a lot to say. It's a snooze about fest it because it, <laughs> did you say it's a snooze fest. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't care that, about navy blue when you sell a black that's, one. That seems to be the majority.
0: And why on earth would you make 2,000 extra fine nib pens? Why is that the choice that they made? It's wild to me. Like, I, th- I find the extra fine even more perplexing than the navy blue. Mm-hmm. Why did they make that decision?
1: So I got to say, I'm on the other side of this. Well, and I know because you love it, right? It's your thing. I don't. I don't. Okay. But it has to happen for us to get to the next place. We can't get there unless <laughs> we go here first. What are you talking about? <laughs> Where? Where are I we want, going? I want purple and I want red and I want green and I want orange and I want all of the colors. No, in but Macrelon.
0: like, that's fine. I agree with you, right? I I agree with you on that. My What I'm saying is like, why did you make 2,000 extra fines? because they have nib problems that's the only my only but that's wild but that's like wild (laughs) to me like i understand why they made it navy blue i get it right like i like lami in your shoes i probably would have done the same thing right like if i'm releasing my first let's say like first public right color of it other than black i understand why you'd go navy blue but but like extra fine, only extra fine and making 2,000 of them is wild. (laughs) Why didn't you just make a a 500 of 1, 500... It just seems crazy to me.
1: Yeah, so it is... It is wild, um, because the picture doesn't even show an extra fine nib. Like, there's no way that's an extra fine nib. No, in the, it's in the like picture. a
0: stub nib or something. It's wild. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but like the the backside of the the card that uh, this we have the link from the from Apple Boom in the Netherlands Apple Bomb, sorry, um, and they put like all the. The product information on there, and it sure it sure enough says extra fine nib mm-hmm. only, which is kind of a crazy. It's like I also like I love you, Lami. I want I want to help you, Lami. Polished, um, high gloss, massive clip. Why <laughs> is it massive? It's
0: not yeah. massive. Is it massive? It's not
1: a massive. It's not a massive. Not massive. So I I think it's good. I'm not anxious in owning one. I'd be so. We haven't talked about the price. In uh, it's what uh, 385 euros if you take out the vat for u.s market or just ballpark price range comes out to 362 ish dollars that's probably too much for me for this like i don't want it that bad like i would i would pay 225 like i was guessing like i would pay 225 i guess it would be like 325 and i was close i was still short the lami 2000 is like
0: the best 200 hundred dollar pen you can buy Oh, it's like $140, $150. All right. Okay then. The best $140 pen you can buy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's yeah, yeah. where it ends. Yes. It doesn't go more than that. But yeah. in its price range, provided you get a good nib, it's yeah. the best one. But it's not it's not it's not exciting enough for more than that, even in yeah. navy blue.
1: Yeah. So the, it'll instantly sell out. Oh, of course it will, because it's limited. But like people were referring to it as uh, black amber all over again. Black amber was completely different. Um, It wasn't a macrolon pen. It was outrageously priced, and they end up having to discount them to allow retailers to get rid of them. Um, This will not be the case. This will be an instant sellout. And like I'm not interested in really getting. I I really want to see one. Um, I'm not saying I won't buy one, but I'm not like lining up to get one. I'm not gonna hunt one down. I'm not in the queue to get one um you know it's limited to 1919 pieces you know i i'm glad it's here i i'm glad and only because i want to see what's next right this is the path that i was hoping for and the path i've been clamoring for i don't know that it's going to continue because right this is a highly specific limited edition right i don't know if they have Mm -hmm. this in them to do annually um unless, you know, they have other, like, highly specific limited editions. They're not making, like, this year's Lami 2000, right? They're, this is the Bauhaus anniversary edition, right? Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. that We may never see another one. And, well, that would stink. But that's what my hope is for this pin, is that we see the next one. And I hope it does well. But, like, it's, it's kind of getting raked over the coals a little bit online. I'm not so sure I see that. It's, you know... I get it, though. Like, I totally get it. I'm just, I'm glad that this pen exists just because there's a chance now where I wasn't ever sure there was a chance.
0: Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. I understand what you're saying. I don't know if it means that they're going to make something exciting, though. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good way to wrap that up. (laughs) I just, this hasn't really inspired confidence in me. (laughs) <laughs> if it would have been green, like a dark green, like a British racing green, maybe, yeah. right? Or like you say, like a dark purple or any anything. But navy blue, when you make a black pen, it doesn't yeah. inspire confidence in my ability for I you mean,
1: to then make an orange one. <laughs> it was pretty obvious that this was going to happen. Yeah,
0: um, it was just, it's just a, unfortunate. As soon as the word least blue it's happening came
1: out, right that was like oh it's yeah. navy blue <laughs> it's 100% navy blue like you could not get odds on that at the bookmaker <laughs> no there's, there's no world
0: there's no world in which it was going to be literally anything else <laughs> all right should we take a break
1: Yeah. Tell me about the suitcase I'm going to pack when I go to head over and take over Lamy, because that's when it's going to happen, right?
0: All right. You're going to need an away because away create thoughtful products designed to change how you see the world. They start with the perfect suitcase and now they offer a range of essentials now that solve real travel problems. They have different types of bags now, as well as just their suitcases, which is awesome. But the luggage is loaded with features. For example, the away carry on, which I think is really like the star product It's, it's the one that I use all the time. I have the aluminium one, which I love. Um, and I use it all the time. One of the reasons I use it all the time is because it has a removable washable laundry bag in it to separate my dirty clothes from my clean clothes. Simple thing, but I love it obviously it has the built-in battery the optional ejectable battery to help keep your devices charged when you're out and traveling everyone knows the away suitcase for that and it's for good reason but there's a bunch of other wonderful features like they come in an array of colors two sizes two materials as i said i love the aluminium which is what i use um, and i I really love the way that case looks like in any aluminium case it gets dinged up but that's like part of the appeal so I have these like wonderful like little dings and dents in my case. It just really gives it that character that I enjoy. Um, Away Cases also have built-in compression pads to help you pack more in. And they have a bigger carry-on as well, which is larger in every way, but is also used to make the most of the overhead bin. It will still fit in the overhead. Away Suitcases are designed to last a lifetime. You get a 100-day trial on everything, plus free shipping within the US, Europe, and Australia. Um, I... Absolutely love my Away cases. I'm going to be getting one of their bigger ones soon too because uh, I need to replace my suitcase. I love my Away carry-on so much. I hate my current suitcase and I don't know why I haven't just replaced it in Away. So I'm going to be doing that for my bigger case too. Um, I, I've, their products are well made. They're full of great features. I'm a big, big fan. You can go check it out right now. And for $20 off a suitcase, go to awaytravel.com slash penaddict and use the promo code penaddict during checkout. That is awaytravel.com slash penaddict and the code pen. Addict during checkout for $20 off a suitcase. So thanks to away for their
1: support of this show and relay FM. Alright, so you want to tackle a few of these ass TPAs? We got a long one that uh we've got several long ones that we may have to hold till till next episode, but I think we we can uh knock out a few of these, right? right. Including our, our good friend uh David Sparks, um who we might see at the fifth anniversary show. I mean, and we definitely be, should <laughs> he might be a good future pin at it, guess, mm-hmm. because oh, we've he's done got terrible a little bit things. of a problem. We've done terrible
0: things to Dave. <laughs> uh, uh, he was showing me his notebook arrangement and setup up um, when I saw him at WWDC in, in San Jose. We've done terrible things to David Sparks, so I feel like we must help him whenever he has a question. So he hand wrote this in, took a picture of it on Instagram, sent it to us, which is kind of fantastic. Uh, so for a while now, I've been using this Platinum 3776 with a broad nib, an architect grind. I genuinely like it. So that's interesting. Like it. Although it can get a bit heavy with the ink. For the last few days, I've been writing of a Twisby Eco stub nib. It's more legible, but it still feels odd to me. I'm having trouble deciding, but leaning towards the architect nib. What do you think? I think, <laughs> I think Dave needs to try something new, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm sorry to have to one, say that
1: to him, but... <laughs> well, number one, I'm completely shocked that this is a question from him. This is how far he's gone oh, it's down, it's down the path... Yeah. Number two, we'll put this link in the show notes so you all can see it. His handwriting looks better with an architect nib, I think. It does. And yeah, I'm, I agree. I'm surprised yeah, to say matter. that because but, as much as I like my architect nibs, I don't want to use them all day, right? I want to use my stub nibs all day. That's my preferred style. But, you know, I've never seen Dave write. I don't know what his, his hand positioning is like. You know, maybe that just works better for him at the angle he's writing with. So. Yeah, I just, I think it's, it's it, like, I, I don't, I don't know what to tell him. Like I, his handwriting looks better in the architect nib, but it's getting a little wet, he says, but I mean, man, a broad 3776 platinum, that's kind of the way to go. That's kind of like uh, what I think is like the standard architect size and it, but it can get big and wet. So depending on how much writing he's doing, um, I could never write all day with that nib. That's just me. But um, if his hand, if his style is suitable to that, um i think it looks good and could he go with something a little finer maybe would that help mm, he could he could but the way his stub handwriting is like it looks forced to me his stub nib doesn't look like it's at the correct angle the way his his lines look to me so right we'll uh maybe we'll do an analysis in person um with with dave because it doesn't look like he's getting um out of a stub nib what it should offer
0: interesting we're going deep on that one. All right, Dave, we haven't been able to help you, but we will. (laughs) So we 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 just
1: ruined him more with that statement.
0: Uh, (laughs) Email from Jacob. I went back into the 2019 Panavik Kickstarter today just to look at the Burton again. Super excited for that case. And I started thinking, what was the inspiration or thoughts behind the design? So where did the design come from for the Burton?
1: So this goes back to a product we make called the Lanier, which is a slimline briefcase. Within the Lanier, we wanted to make it in two distinct parts, but still one bag. So the first part was a large pouch for A4 size notebooks and accessories. And the interior contained an A5 pouch for smaller accessories, pens, A5 notebooks, pocket notebooks, things like that. That bag design came out of my desire for the want of a bank bag, what I call a bank bag. It's the kind of the bags you see, you know, retail shops carry their cash in when they're going to drop it off at the bank deposit, right? Something like that. So it has a top zip and then a lot of them round off on one corner just for easier access into the pouch. So Mm -hmm. you don't just have the zip on the top. It comes around the edge in a curved manner to give you a little bit more of an opening. So, that whole product came from my desire to build a bank bag. And then the bank bag became the A5 Lanier pouch. The A5 Lanier pouch became a pouch that people wanted to carry as their standalone product. And then the Burton came as a result of upgrading that interior pouch into its own standalone pouch
0: Um, yep. for the Kickstarter campaign. And so it was that's- the whole bag and bag thing from a long time ago, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, bag and bag. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. So the result that you see in the Burton really started because I wanted a basic bank bag to carry accessories in. And then that's kind of the transition it took over the years um, to the very beginning where, well, maybe it's a standalone product and maybe like the, the Lanier A5 pouch will probably have some standalone pouches for that style. But then the Burton really, like, turns that up to 11 and you know now it's its own standalone thing so that's that's how that process went like that was a that's years long worth of like change and modification and all because i just wanted a bank bag
0: and then jacob goes on to say would you ever consider a twitch stream talking about how you and jeff come up with your product designs in general um, or going through some thoughts behind a certain design and its features
1: yeah, for sure. So, like, I should get out some of like the sketches I keep of product designs. Mm-hmm. Um, I do, I do worry a little bit. Like, it would have to be after the fact. <laughs> it would be have to be like post-release. Yeah, I do worry a little bit about setting our I, ideas free out on the internet. No, you've before got to do their, it later in production. On. Like, for yeah, 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 older things. But like, I have like a bunch of sketches, and Jeff has a bunch of sketches, and we can talk about like the iterative iterative process that we go through when we're designing a bag. I mean, and like. It's not just, it's, I make it sound a lot of times like it's easy and we just do it on a whim. But like if we come up with like two or three designs a year, that's a lot, right? It just, it's a process of, figuring out over time what's going to work right and what's going to be best and then trying that out and trying and failing like we've designed all kinds of bigger bags that we just don't think are good enough like our des- designs are not good enough like for larger bags so like some of those things get scrapped and things like that so it's fun to do that stuff and it's a long process i don't want to make it sound easier than it is like you know i talk about you know jeff when he designed the coleman he's like look i made a water bottle case well you know that you know that's kind of how it starts, but then to get it into a product that takes a lot, and that would be a great like stream to have about how those products come to life because uh, it's it's not as easy as I pretend like it sounds sometimes.
0: All right, here's an interesting one. <laughs> this comes from John. In the hit series *The Expanse* on Amazon Prime, I like hit series. It's just a funny phrase to me. <laughs> yeah. I was, you know, it's a hit. I've
1: never heard. I've never heard of it. Does that make it a hit? Uh, yes. I, I'm not a. I'm not a good TV person. So I think by I default
0: that does. Uh, a mysterious fountain pen shows up in season two, episode twelve, around fourteen minutes in. Um, do you have any idea what this pen
1: is? So, I love this question. Number one. Number two these people are in outer space like i guess dudes on a spaceship here are mm-hmm. like he's definitely in the future right um because I, I went and looked it's like assumedly the year 2350 the funny okay, thing so is
0: so you took a screenshot for me right have you looked yeah. at that screenshot no it's a, black it's, it's, shoot well because of uh, copyright
1: protection really yeah oh man there's not gonna wanted- be an
0: easy way for you to screenshot this oh okay so if mm. you just have to go check it out yourself, I guess.
1: <laughs> so I think I know what pen this is. Okay. I think I, I'm like ninety percent certain like we're we're like forgetting the fact that this is like two hundred and something years into the future and guys using a fountain pen, right? Like a super traditional fountain pen. It's a pilot custom heritage nine twelve. I'm almost certain. Because the first thing I thought it was was a Black Sailor Pro Gear, like it's a very simple black and rhodium trim pin, but it didn't have a finial on the cap, so it's just a flat black cap, and it's got a double ring band um, where it has a wi- on the cap. It's got a double cap band, so it's got a wide cap band and then a thin line cap band, and the clip. Like I got a good shot of it just laying on the desk. It's Virtually identical to the Pilot Custom Heritage 912, and I would bet money that that's what that pen is, because it's very basic and generic looking. Like there's not a lot of, you know, telltale signs other than the clip and the cap band. Um, and I, th- I'm pretty certain that's it. And I'm ticked that I don't have a good picture because I, I wanted to try to get confirmation from our listeners and put this in the show notes, but I didn't even, I didn't even consider that. That stinks. Yeah, So we'll figure out. Yeah, so I'll take people a picture to of it go, with my phone, right? Yeah, people have to go look themselves, I guess. <laughs> uh most I'm I'm sure
0: most of our listeners have Amazon Prime, right? Because <laughs> you get Prime Video for just being a Prime subscriber. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah. Oh, I think I think someone's found it. I think someone I think we have it in the chat room. Yeah, we have a, we have one in the chat. Uh from Okay, good. Uh Mike found it for us, so I'm gonna put it in the show notes to a Reddit thread where
1: people are going oh, good. through it too. So their conclusion is that it's a pro gear. See, I didn't think it had a finial on it. Maybe they just covered it up. But I thought that was my first inclination was that it was a pro gear. But then I assumed since it didn't have the anchor, that's a pro gear, or,
0: man. That's a pro gear. I'm, I've zoomed in yeah. on it 100. that That is, yeah. Oh,
1: you can. So it's there. Good. Yeah. Yeah, that's a pro gear for sure. Okay, so my initial idea was right, and then I assumed incorrectly.
0: I love that they used a pro gear. <laughs> Maybe I should watch this TV I, show.
1: I just love that two hundred years from now uh, he's using a, f- a fountain pen on his spaceship. Mm-hmm. That's we, pretty cool.
0: Should we wrap it up with a interesting, slightly controversial question today?
1: Yeah, because I don't think this is convert- controversial at all.
0: Maybe. Well, maybe. I don't know. I like it. I like. I like this question.
1: All right. So yeah, I love this question. I actually I replied uh, saying I love this question
0: from an anonymous individual because of its controversial nature. <laughs> <laughs> Goes, is
1: it weird for
0: me to ignore Nakaya because they use converters rather than a more exotic filling system? There are a few Nakaya models that I really like, but despite this, I have ignored them in favor of other options with piston or vacuum filling system. I've had the opportunity to try a Nakaya with uh, the SM Elastic nib. Um, I thought the nib was excellent, and I love the Arushi and how the ebonite felt in the hand, but I can't bring myself to spend so much money on a pen with a converter. I don't have a problem with converters in cheaper pens, just expensive ones. For context, the Nakaya that I will buy is a custom decapod, which costs upwards of $2,000 Australian dollars um, or 1400 US dollars once shipping, import duties, and sales tax have been factored in. I considered a Decapod earlier this year, but I was extremely lucky because I was extremely lucky at an opportunity to spend such a large sum on a pen, but I decided to go a different route. The number one factor against the Decapod for me was being uh, the converter, is the filling system. Uh, The pen I ended up buying instead had a piston filler. So back to the original question. I know that personal tastes are perhaps the biggest factor in pens, especially when spending large figures, but it feels strange to me that I am turning away from an entire brand of models that I am pretty sure I would like, if not love, just because of one perhaps minor factor. Is that weird? Um. After writing all of the above, I realized that although Nakaya is what I'm most interested in, there are many other pens that I have looked past because of my bias against converters and expensive pens uh, like Pilot Custom Rushi, 845, Sailor King of Pen, and I'm sure there are many more that I've missed. What do you think yes. about this?
1: Um. I think it's an awesome question, and I don't think it's a bias, and I think I just think it's a preference, and I think it's okay to ignore that, right? I mean, it has to be because... You don't want to second-guess yourself spending that kind of money on a pen when you're going to be frustrated with the filling system. No buyer's it remorse is,
0: when you're going to that level.
1: Yeah, you cannot regret anything when you're spending that kind of money. You have to be 100% committed to loving and using that pen daily. Um, but that is a preference that a lot of people have. Some people refuse to use converters, some people will only buy pistons. Some people don't care. I, I fall in the ladder camp. I'm more of, you know, I like the the exterior and the nib are the selling points before I get to the filling system. Um, Other people, the filling system may drive the choice about buying the pen. So I don't think this is a weird question at all. And it's absolutely preference-based like I can't tell you what to do or what to buy but it doesn't sound to me like you would be happy spending that kind of money if you're going to question like the filling system like and with like something like the Decapod like it can be a smaller lighter pin sometimes you know maybe that the piston filling system people like it because it gives you a, a heavier pin um, because there's more hardware involved in creating that type of filling system as opposed to just a converter pen. So maybe that's like a thing to think about. So you know, I I I don't think it's a weird question at all. And some people just have their personal preferences and that's totally okay. Um so what you could do maybe is buy like a coned bulk filler and a Nakaya nib and try to figure out how to mash those in together <laughs> and then you'll have your perfect pen with the oh, but huge then you filling miss out system on the
0: design <laughs> I know I know I was just so I would say like something like the... the King of Pen I would be a little bit more hesitant if that King of Pen just looked like a regular converter in there but it has all that wild sure. hardware right which makes it a little bit more exciting to look at but like if I was just looking like a demonstrator with just a big converter in it I'd be like oh did I spend all that money on that, like I like totally. that they went the extra mile and put some extra goings on inside the body.
1: Yeah, the Sailor King of Pen is is a very very good example. Um, just because it's kind of outrageously priced for what it is, to be mm-hmm. perfectly honest. And we've mm-hmm. talked about this many many times. And if it was more basic, I they couldn't get away with that, right? If that mm-hmm. if those internals were a little bit more basic, it would not work at the price points they're getting for those pens.
0: Yep. All right,
1: if you want to find the show
0: notes for this week's episode, you can go to relay.fm slash penaddict slash 365. We're going to be doing horror stories next time. So excited for that. Can't wait for some more horror stories. Uh, Thanks so much to our sponsors this week, Canalea Penco, Squarespace, and Away. Thank you so much for listening. You can find Brad's work over at penaddict.com. He's penaddict on Instagram, twitch.tv slash penaddict, and dowdyism on Twitter. I am at imike, I-M-Y-K-E. We'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, Brad. Goodbye, Brad.